Welcome to They That Hope with Father Dave and Deacon Bob, seeing humor and hope in a crazy world. And I'm Deacon Bob. And I'm Father Dave. How are you, Robert? I'm doing great. And for those of you that listen to this on time, happy All Saints Day and happy day after Halloween. If you get to watch the video, I'm wearing actually a Ghostbusters outfit. I'm going to be, I decided to be Spangler today. And I can see Father Dave, you as always are dressed in costume. Thank you for your medieval garb. Actually, one time I was in uh, in Munich, and we were going to a restaurant, and we walked in, and, and the guy kind of stops me. It was around Halloween. He stops me, and he said, uh, no, no no costume. That, <laughs> that's that's not a costume, is it? And I said, no, it's not. So there you go. <laughs> and then he let you in. He let me in. He let yeah, me in. Yeah, I was going to say. That's, that's no, awesome. No, I'm so. in Austria. We have our parents' week, and we had a board meeting here. Uh, I love Austria. I love Vienna. We had a just – actually, just uh, – Left a, a dinner that we had with the parents, with the students, about 100 parents and students. So it was a lot of fun. Vienna is the most beautiful city. I think it's the most beautiful big city in Europe. It's just wonderful. So it was great. All right. Yeah. How uh, How's the weather out there? It's been gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, 70 degrees in the day. Nice, cool evening. Nice. It was wonderful. Yep. Oh, but I leave wonderful. early tomorrow morning. So I'll be home actually tomorrow afternoon. Okay. Well, I look forward to getting you back on campus. Yep. This yep. is our, uh, on campus, we have a break, by the way. It's something we do at Francisco <coughs> um, around um, New Year's, uh, sorry, All Saints Day. We always give the kids a few days off. Uh, it's kind of our fall break. So this time, because All Saints fell on a Wednesday, they get a little bit more of an extended break. Yeah, Usually yeah. We just give loving them a, it. Yeah, I'm sure they're absolutely loving it. Yeah. So, And it's kind of a nice time to breathe as a faculty member, get lots of papers graded and... Uh, Boy, the end of the semester is going to come before you know it. I know, I know, I know. So yeah. it'll be great. Good times. Great. Yeah. Well, you might not have been kept keeping kept up on sports. I'm not speaking very well. It's Sunday afternoon here. I can't imagine what time it is there. Is it like 10 or something? No, it's, it's funny. I'm so blessed. God just takes care of me. Um, we changed our clocks last night. So uh, I get I get the advantage of that twice. <laughs> Isn't that the best? Yeah, that so is awesome. Yeah, it's 9.15. Yeah, falling back is fantastic. Springing Love forward. Love it. The is fact that I get to do it twice is just a sign of God's providence and love for you, us. You, it's like you're cheating the system in a good way. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Well, I could use that extra hour of sleep, I think, right now. Actually, my, uh, my son and daughter-in-law and grandson have moved in to our third floor little apartment area here. So it's been a busy weekend of moving and lifting things. Um, the NFL is playing, but it's Sunday, so I can't even tell you any of the, the football scores. I can tell you that the Bucks lost. It was tragic. They played on Thursday night. Baker Mayfield played really good, though. So uh, there's still hope for the NFC South, but um, taking a bit of a turn for the worse. The Bills are hanging in there, uh, and uh, other football stuff is happening. But do we care about football? The no, only sport that really matters Rugby is... won on <laughs> South Africa, won the World Cup. Yep. Yes. Yes. That's great. Yeah, they beat New Zealand by one point. It was a great scrum, and it was fantastic. I was going to ask if there was a scrum involved. Yeah, there was. There was. Was there a sticky <laughs> wicket? Excuse me. Uh, was there a sticky well, wicket? Um, no, that's cricket. Oh. Yeah. People right. get them mixed up all the time. All the, is there so, all the They're time. almost identical. All the time. Notre Dame won they're, big, so that was good. Yeah, they uh, beat University of Pittsburgh, though, so come on. Yeah, yeah. A couple of upsets. Kansas beat Oklahoma. Oklahoma was an undefeated team, so that was a pretty big win. Okay. Uh, Air Force is continually undefeated. Uh, the official oh. position of this 
podcast is we would like Air Force to run the table. Wow. It's nice okay. to have a service academy do well. So yeah, that absolutely. Good. And I've got some good friends in the Air Force or retired Air Force. To yeah, be specific. so that's and good. So that uh, your aunt probably was a retired Air Force, right? <laughs> yeah, aunt, spy, whatever she was. The one um, who's dead? Thanks. Well, God rest her soul. Yeah, we'll pray for her tomorrow. Yes. Um, but and, the big uh, team, baseball. Baseball. Let's yeah, talk so about baseball. We're we, we're the series is tied one to one. Actually, now, actually, we should update because I think at last our last podcast we didn't know who would be in the oh, okay. series. That's, you're right. So the Texas Rangers are playing the Arizona Diamondbacks. Which and the is, official position of this podcast is go Diamondbacks. Te- Texas Rangers, right? So the um, it's a very shocking World Series. People are actually nicknaming this the Surprise Series. Yeah. The Diamondbacks, I believe, I actually wrote this down somewhere, had a record of 84 and 78. They barely had a winning season. Uh, they, they barely made the it into the playoffs. That's and they now the they're in the World Series. And then the, uh, I don't think the Texas Rangers were as bad, but their odds to be in the series in the beginning of the season were like 50 to 1. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, at least. So our condolences more. to uh, Philly. Um, by the way, we did have an email from a Philly person, and I think this is reasonable. On your episode of October 11th, you stated the Braves winning would be the sign of the apocalypse. So, ostensibly, the Phillies did a great service to baseball by defeating them, and yet there was no fanfare about the apocalypse being averted. Well, that person is absolutely right, and to that individual, we owe a sincere apology. The fact that we're Thank even you. having this conversation is because the <laughs> Phillies won. So I don't right. know how to thank you enough. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for all your emails, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's series tied one-to-one. Uh, Diamondbacks were ahead in the game one by two going into the ninth. Home run ties it. Uh, and then a walk-off home run in the 11th, I believe. And then the next game, the Diamondbacks won nine-to-one. So we're, we're looking good. Yeah, it looks like it's a very exciting season. It's now heading back to Arizona. By the time you hear this, they'll have already played at least one game in Arizona. And, of course, you can check in to They That Hope for all the relevant sporting news yes, you about can. that. Okay, but, so I, had, I watched a movie on the flight over called Blackberry. Okay. And it made me think of – it was like the beginnings of cell phones and all that kind of right. thing. What was your first cell phone? My first cell phone? Was it like an Ikea-type well, actually, I was so old school and cutting edge. I remember my parents, I guess it wasn't my phone. We had a car phone, like the ones that had like the big zippered bag and it looked like a phone and you had to plug it into the charger awesome. of the car. And you'd drive around telling everybody that you were on a car phone because yeah. it was like, you know, I'm, like, I'm in my car and I'm driving. That's right. That's right. Um, I would say my first cell phone... It might have been a Motorola Razor. Oh, if you remember those, the like the little flip ones. Yeah, um, yeah. that that could have been that could have been the first one. I never had a BlackBerry. I always thought those looked really strange. I had a Palm Pilot, but those didn't. Oh, call those people. were the best, man. But that those was cutting were very edge. cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And we all like wore them on our belts, and we felt like we were just ten more items away from being Batman. Um, Did you really wear it on your belt? Yeah, bro. I had like the, the, the nice belt holder and everything. That's how cool I was. I was a youth minister in the 90s, bro. That was how you evangelized. People saw that and they, they knew you were serious. How is it that you and I are even doing this podcast? <laughs> 
Well, at least I didn't wear a fanny pack. You know, lay people, we don't have like 30,000 pockets with which we can slide things in. We have to be creative in the I'll ways bet you, that we yeah, I'll bet you carry things one. around. I'll bet you have worn a fanny pack. No, actually, I think I missed the whole fanny pack craze. Well, it's not too late. Yeah, that's true. I think John Bergsma still wears a fanny pack. <laughs> he might not. That He might have given that up like a year ago. Yeah. There's a sale probably, at the Gap. Anyway. You're probably right. Um, but uh, so this BlackBerry uh, documentary, which sounds riveting, you know, like of something that nobody actually cares about. <coughs> was not, in- it, wasn't, it wasn't actually a documentary. It was, actually, it was kind of an interesting history. But okay. it just made me think of, I was thinking, I wonder what Bob's first phone was. So you've answered my question. What was your first phone? Did probably you have that, a BlackBerry? No. Probably that Nokia. It, I don't know. It looked oh, like... Oh, yeah. It was like a, the 2800 like or maybe that was yeah, an Atari. Like yeah. a stick of butter or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. You were you were the first person to start texting me. Really? I, I remember this. You were at some meeting. This is when you were in charge of the youth conferences and you okay. were texting me. And I just said, why don't you call me? And you were like, in meeting. And this is when to text somebody you had to like hit yeah, like yeah, four, yeah. three two, times two, two, in order to yeah, get four, eight, yeah. But you rocked it. Like you you like could do it so quickly. And I think I said something clever like this texting thing will never take off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember when we first did it, it was like you you would get fifty texts a month or something like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, or else you have to pay for more. Yeah, it was uh Times well, I have changed. The first uh, text I got was from Joanna Swenson. She worked in the office, at the conference office. And I didn't know what to do with it. It was like, what is this text <laughs> message thing? And she right. just, yeah. It is crazy how our lives have changed, though, huh? Just yeah. technology is just so different. It's so different. So, Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's insane living in a media age and so much stuff that we take for granted. We have more information at our fingertips and probably less information in our brains than any other society, not uh, you know, particularly in the past few millennia. How many phone numbers do you know history. in your phone? Oh, gosh, my wife's and mine, probably. Well, that's one more than I know. Okay. And I only know my wife's because it's just one number up from my number. There you go. You know, and I have to write it down on a lot of like forms for my kids. You know, what's another number they could call if something you could, goes you wrong? You could use my phone if you wanted to. Yeah, that's yeah. a great idea. My um, my brother's <laughs> wife, she still does the phone numbers of all the kids. She does it to a speed dial. She dials really? it. Yeah. So she knows everybody's number. It's great. I mean, I would be I, lost. Oh, I couldn't do it. Do you do a lot of voice to text stuff? I know you don't have an iPhone, but that's possible on Androids, right? Yeah, I a little bit. I've gotten in trouble sometimes with some of those. So, yeah, yeah. some of the things that uh, yeah, yeah. your phone thinks you're saying and you're yeah. not actually saying. Yeah, let's just someday we'll have an an, an adult uh, PG thirteen <laughs> version of They That Hope, and we'll talk about some of the things that have happened. We'll talk about what Siri thought we actually said. That's right. When, that's right. When that's that's not that's it. Right. Maybe we could um, we could mention some tragic things that have happened in the news before we move on. Um, okay. Matthew Perry, uh, who was one of the actors of the hit, the sitcom Friends, died at the age of 54. Um, we were just talking about this a little bit before the show. He had a uh, he was very outspoken about his own addictions to drugs and overcoming them. Apparently, he you know used his house as a place for people to get sober. So there, it says it was an accident. Uh, there's no foul play. There's no you know thoughts of drug use there, but. Um, just really a very sad story. 
for someone that young yeah, to die. I, I saw that. That is sad. And apparently there was some some conversion or faith experiences oh. that he had. I was talking with Tim Delaney and, and he was okay. speaking and mentioned those. So yeah, we continue to pray for him. Were you a fan of the show? I hated the show. Yeah. I mean, there were some great things about it in terms of a sitcom. It was like one of the first real ensemble sitcoms that, um, you know, didn't have a star, for example. You know, previous sitcoms always had, you know, one focused person on it, or at least many of them did. But it, it's sad. I mean, today it's tame, but at the time it was very liberal. Um, you know, it really was all about sex. Um, yeah, it just had a lot of agenda items that, again, yeah. again, today everybody followed, but that was kind of the pioneer of some of those stuff. So um, wasn't a, wasn't a big fan of that particular show, no. Um, there was a story going around, it's just because it's horrific, uh, an American hockey player, Adam Johnson, uh, playing in England. So there's some news there that England has a hockey league, but uh, in a freak accident, uh, got caught up with another player, died on the ice, uh, got a uh, the blade of another player, got him in the neck, and so that's really making the rounds. So just super sad stuff. Um, we want to pray for folks in Maine. Uh, you know, the 18 people that were killed, the others that were injured. Uh, and of course, we're always praying for those in the Holy Land, praying for those in Ukraine and, and really anywhere else. Uh, we're just, uh, particularly as we enter into the Feast of All Saints and the Feast of All Souls, we just want to lift up all of those uh, who have passed away and just pray for the salvation of really everybody. Yeah. And just commend everybody to God's mercy. Yeah, I saw some of that, particularly the stuff in Maine, obviously being in Europe, but you don't escape that kind of media and it's just it's just awful the we have a one of our friars is from maine and his brother or, or maybe cousin lives in lewiston and yeah it's just i don't know those are always horrible it made it a yeah. little bit more real knowing that he had family that was in that area so we just continue to pray for people it's just well and, and they were told to lock down right they were yeah, like there is a there is a killer on the loose just <coughs> keep your doors locked yeah i mean that's, and that's what his cousin was literally texting while this is going on you know we're in lockdown so yeah, yeah we continue to keep yeah. your prayers yeah well praise god yeah. they aren't anymore if you hadn't heard the follow-up to that story they they found the gunman who had apparently killed himself um with a self-inflicted wound so um at least yeah, for that town yeah, isn't pray. living in fear but pray for his soul as well and yeah and for his family i remember one um documentary i watched it was on um timothy mcveigh his mm. parents and just the suffering that they experienced that, you know, what parent would want their son or, you know, obviously nobody would want that. And just the tremendous suffering they experienced at, at what their son had done. So yeah, just keep everybody yeah. in prayer about this. It's just an awful thing. Amen. Amen. Well, let's uh, move on to our Franciscan promo. The fall semester may be halfway over, but it's not too late to come check out Franciscan University on one of our fall visit days. You and your family can meet with a friendly admission staff, learn more about our academic programs, enjoy a tour of campus, and join us for Mass. Interested in a specific major? We also have special visit days, including a nursing visit day on November 10th and a science visit day on November 17th. Schedule your visit at franciscan.edu slash visit. 
That's franciscan.edu slash visit. And we hope to see you soon. Yes, we do. I love having students come visit. I, I always get excited when they come into my class. And uh, anytime an admissions person is like, can we have a student visit your class? I'm always so excited to have them visit the yeah, class. No, Unless they're taking blast. a test. That's the only time I'm like, you don't want to visit this class. This would be a very lame class to yeah, visit. Yeah. So. No, it's always a blast when they visit. Yeah, it's a yeah, gift. Cool. Well, we're recording this on Sunday, October 29th, and just a few hours ago, the Synod on Synodality has wrapped up uh, with a papal homily and a document that at least right now is not available in English. So we're going to try our best to talk about what we can talk about with it uh, based on some of the news sources that are out there. You know, Father Dave, you sent me a... Um, a link to an article written by a good friend of both of ours, Deacon Dominic Serrato. And apparently there were no permanent deacons at all that were involved in the Synod on Synodality, which as a permanent deacon makes me sad. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder when they realized that. It's like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a, it's a a bit of a sad, you know, I don't think anybody did it intentionally. But that still actually speaks to a bit of a problem of what people think of deacons, which is to say they don't think of deacons. Um, But, you know, there's about 50,000 deacons in the world, and 21,000 of them are here in the United States. And I think another eight or so thousand of them are in Brazil. So almost two-thirds of the deacons of the world are in the Americas, with the dominant force being in the United States. So, um, you know, they're not everywhere. Uh, actually, I think the Philippines just got permission to have oh, the really? permanent diaconate. By, okay. by permission, it's not that the Vatican doesn't want people to have permanent deacons. It's just that they need to ask. And so there's a lot of countries that apparently haven't really asked. But like in Africa, there's not that many. There's only a few hundred in Oceania and other places. So the permanent diaconate seems to be more of an American-driven thing, and maybe that's why, um, as we did the Synod on Synodality that looks at the world, um, you know, Americans only make up 7% of the total population of the Catholic Church in the world. So you're talking about— You mean it's you know, not all about us? I, I, apparently not. Apparently yeah. it is not all about us. Do we talk about this with the African bishops? I don't know if we did. Tell me what we're going to talk about, and I'll say if we Well, somebody, about the synodality. Somebody was talking about the concern of the synodality, and uh, the, the response was, it was a guy who's actually there. He's not in the synod, but he's re- reporting on it. And he said, don't worry. The African bishops will never go for all of this progressive, no. crazy stuff. And, and that, that is important that we bear in mind that, you know, the apparently, just uh, spoiler alert, Apparently, the document says nothing about LGBT. Father James Martin has already come out and said he's very disappointed in the way the conversation went and how the document. Now, that's not to say that there's not eventually going to be something in the final document, but he said he was already surprised, um, very surprised at how it went and he wasn't pleased. But that does speak to say that, you know, maybe we in the United States think these are major issues and the rest of the world look at us like, what are you talking about? I mean, this is yeah. not a significant issue in most of the world. And we think that the church is just all about us, and it simply isn't. 
that was a similar thing that happened during the Synod on Youth, apparently. Yes. Uh, there were some folks from Western culture that wanted <laughs> some specific language about transgenderism. And one of the African bishops stood up and said, we're, we're trying not to die of disease. <laughs> we're dealing with tribal violence. This is not a worldwide issue, you know, that you guys have the luxury to worry about these things is great, but we've got much bigger problems with our own people and our own youth population who are being weaponized into various, you know, gangs in our, in our countries of Africa. So um, you're right. Sometimes we get a very myopic perspective of the things that we are pushing, or at least maybe media is pushing is the most important thing. Lots of places in the world are just shaking their head being like, what? Like, this is not the most important thing, which doesn't mean it's not important, by the way, um, you know, to be sure. Um, but, you know, sometimes it, it, it suggests that maybe we have a slightly skewed view of the world. And as Americans, I'm shocked and horrified that somebody would dare say that. That's right. About the greatest country in the world. That's right. They just don't understand how much they're missing. No, it looks like, honestly, is, and honestly, what you would expect, the vast majority of it is, what does it look like to be a church um, that collaborates, that yeah. recognizes, it, it spends a lot of time, a lot, and, and you would expect it because it's it's been a theme of Pope Francis's from the very beginning, the poor. And, and are we able to listen to the poor? Are we able to listen to the marginalized? What does it look like to walk with them? What does it look like uh, for them to have a seat at the table? And, you know, those are all really, really valid, good questions to be able to ask. So, it, yeah, from that perspective, I think everybody expected that that part of it. There was some uh, fuss, and I think it was more smoke than fire. Yeah, but there some was people a lot of smoke. Asking the, well, yeah, I guess there was a lot of smoke. Yeah, they were saying, is this smoke. actually a synod yeah. when lay people are voting in it? And I think the answer to that was, well, that was actually one of the suggestions of the synod, is that maybe we define things by... This is purely bishops, or this is bishops and other authorities, or this is bishops and lay people. You know, one of the reasons why uh, there were lay people involved was to get the kind of listening that they were feeling wasn't present with other things. But, and correct me if I'm wrong, Father Dave, at the end, the Synod is just a consultative body. Like they, they vote on a proposal and they give it to the Pope. So it's not as though. The Senate itself makes decisions or even has authority to make decisions. Am I well, accurate in that? Yeah, yeah, but it would be, you know, for the for the Pope who's calling for collaboration, synodality, for them to make a recommendation and him to say no. Yeah. Would would be problematic. I mean, again, yeah, right. Would be want, but yeah, uh, yeah, he'd probably get quite a quite a bit of pushback from that. Yeah, yeah, but that, that there is even discussion about that. Everybody's conversation was, you know, what's going to change? What's going to change? And some people are saying perhaps nothing. It's, it's, it's a dialogue. It's a discussion. It's working together. It's collaborating. It's listening. It's asking questions. I mean, probably, and it got quite a bit of attention, at least in the, the um, summary that I've read. And, and yeah, I've, I've got like a 40 page summary. So if that's only a summary, <laughs> I don't know what this final document's going to look like, but um, a lot of on deacons, you know, actually, yeah. and, and women is being deacons. And that seems yeah. to be uh, a conversation that was fairly, fairly heated. Um, and, and I'm not going to say I have not read a great deal. Maybe you have, Bob, but it seems like there was some kind of deaconess in the early church. The question is, is what did that individual do? What was their role? Yeah. And, and is that possible for the church today? 
Interestingly, apparently, and I've not seen this, I've only read a quote, there's a book that's coming out next week where the Holy Father's interviewed, and he says that deacons are part of holy orders, and as such, only men can be admitted to holy orders. So he said that it's not, again, in this interview, now that's not what he did, but uh, that would be interesting if, in fact, that is what he has said. Well, he's actually, if he has, that would not surprise me, because he has said that consistently. Like, even from the beginning when these questions came up, even when he announced a theological investigation into the possibility of women deacons, he said, my opinion is that uh, it has to be men, because it's so closely connected to the proclamation of the gospel and the liturgical role. But I'll convene... A, a commission on it. So this is, um, in, in he's, he's always actually been pretty strong on, well, I'll have people look into this, but this is my thought on it at least. And this is one of the things that, that there is a population of people that drives them crazy. But what Pope Francis says is, well, let's talk about it. Right. You know, and again, there's some people that that's, it makes, sometimes I'll, I'll be honest, it makes me nervous. It's like, well, let's not talk about it. And, and, He's a Jesuit, right? And Jesuits are going to talk, they're going to discuss, they're going to debate, they're going to counter, counterpose one another's arguments. And yeah, it makes people nervous, but it's consistent with who he is. And I would say at least with um, what I've read about, oh, you asked a question about deaconesses in the early church. There were, but their role was very specific. It was um, baptizing women into the faith. And in the very early church, it was a full naked immersion that would happen uh, <laughs> when you came into the faith. Right. So um, they would do that in private, and there would be women who, who were given the title deaconess that would have that responsibility of uh, <coughs> baptizing in full immersion other naked women. I That's think for obvious reasons. That's good to see the yeah. life of the church. Yeah. But they didn't do anything else, and there was no proof that they were ever ordained. So that's part of the issue of, was this just a role and a title? I mean, you know, our understanding of sacraments have grown and evolved over the, the course of the history of the church. And there's, a, there's two points that were hotly debated. One of that was women deacons. The other one was a related topic, which didn't get as much press, but it was can we actually have a deeper conversation on what a deacon is? What is the nature of the diaconate? Suggesting that if we could clarify with more accuracy what a permanent deacon is, or just a deacon in general, we would then be able to better explain or understand women and the diaconate. What a female deacon might do. Because there's just general confusion about what a a permanent deacon is, or even just the role of a deacon. When I... uh, I might have shared this, but when I spoke at this Young Life gathering, which was an ecumenical group of Protestants and Catholics, I was there in my clerics, and I said, hi, my name is Bob Rice. I'm a permanent deacon. I know this is a group of Catholics and Protestants, so some of you uh, probably don't know what a permanent deacon is, or if you do, you have uh, strange ideas of it, and the rest of you are Protestants. Uh, which got a good laugh, but it kind of just spoke to the point that even Catholics aren't exactly sure what the role yeah. of the diaconate is. So if that was a follow-up of the synod, I, I would love to see a synod on the diaconate, on the permanent diaconate. I've met some people that have argued with me that my ordination was not an ontological change, that, no, the real ontological change is when you're ordained as a priest— 
that mine was more just like a, a title, you know. Anyway, it's a longer conversation than we want to get into the podcast, but it certainly was something that came up. The role of women overall was brought up in the Synod because that is a huge, huge issue. And from what I read, there was a lot of encouragement on, um, you know, whether it's in tribunal councils or some mm-hmm. other positions of authority, having a stronger voice of women in the life of the church is definitely a focus and an important one. I, I think it's important that we, I would say, I don't think it needs to jump to, so then ordain women just because we want more of a voice, where is the question of, but we have to recognize that there is a lack of a voice. You know, without women, <laughs> I mean, the duh statement in any parish is it would just stop working and fall apart. <coughs> so are we giving the proper avenues for women to be given the dignity they deserve to be given the voice that they sure. should have. Sure. And, and in different countries, they do this better or worse. Uh, yep. It could be argued that in the United States, we're actually a bit better at this than in some other places or in the worse. world where oh, women have absolutely no voice. Yeah, I think that's accurate. And maybe lastly, the, there was quite a bit of discussion on uh, clericalism and yep. the role of uh, uh, clerics and a sense of superiority and dismissiveness upon you know, the entire lay population. And, you know, there's some, my experience has been there's some priests that just kind of scoff at that, but, and they say, you know, that's the thing of the past. And it just isn't, you know, it just isn't. It's also, it may not be as prominent in the United States, but I've been in, in countries where there's, it's very different, you know, there's yeah. a class system. So, the church raised that. And then they did talk a little bit about the abuse crisis and how do we continue to protect and make sure that nothing like that ever happens again. Uh, but it wasn't as much, it wasn't as dominant. That last wasn't as dominant as some people thought it might be. So, but it'll you know, be it might be worth to hear what the final document looks like. Yeah. And I think it might be worth throwing out to the listeners because we won't get a chance to talk about this till next week and more stuff will come out. Um, maybe just to be sensitive to our own American perspective as we started this section with, which is to say, um, I think we have, I have a tendency of doing this as an American. I read something from the Vatican and I think they're talking about me and they might not be. Again, we're 7% of the church. A lot of the issues they're bringing up, even if you read one of these issues and you go, well, that's not us. Well, maybe it's not us. You know, there's more Catholics in other places in the world Um, that deserve the focus in many ways and that are trying to deal with synodality. I do want to just maybe end with one quote, something that I was able to get from the document, and it was actually um, the synod's own definition on what synodality is, because that was even a big question going into it. And I think this is beautiful. Synodality can be understood as the walk of Christians with Christ and toward the kingdom, together with all humanity, mission-oriented, It involves coming together in assembly at different ecclesial levels of life, listening to one another, dialogue, communal discernment, consensus building as an expression of Christ's making himself present alive in the spirit, and decision making in differentiated co-responsibility. I think we should have a youth conference theme, differentiated co-responsibility. I'll start working on the theme song right now. That's that's nice. It might sound a bit like it was written by a committee, but it's, no. it's a good start. Yeah. No. <coughs> That's good, Bob. But no, I do it, love, and this might be the last word on it, I, I love the mission part. Yeah, Because no. I think, why why is this important? It's for the mission of the kingdom of God. It's for the yeah. mission of proclaiming the gospel. It's being able to 
move together, go forth as a church, and and be the body of Christ to those in need. That's at the heart of it. Yeah, amen. Amen. Would you close us in a prayer, Father? We have to. Lord, we thank you for the church and the witness that she gives to the kingdom of God and the presence of Christ in the world. We ask you to continue to move in the hearts of all of our leaders as they discern what it is that you're asking of us. Bless those who are listening, that they know your peace and your presence. We surrender all to you who are our Lord and our Savior. We make this prayer in your name, Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Dave. And thank you all for listening. If you'd like to shoot us an email, we love to read them. Any prayer requests, we love to pray for them. Hope at franciscan.edu. That's hope at franciscan.edu. God bless. We'll see you next week.